Hello, and welcome to Co-op Cast. This week, Steve and Elijah will catch up on some reviews and get you all the co-op news. Welcome to Co-op Cast. My name is Steve, and in this week's episode, we're going to talk about what the co-op community has been up to, talk about a few games and cooperative news, and then discuss and review Tiny Epic Zombies. Joining me today is Elijah. How's it going, Steve? Good. How about you, Elijah? I'm doing pretty good. Cool. Ready for this? I am totally ready. Let's do this. So what have you been up to lately? Actually, Steve, not much. Uh, work life and uh, home life has been pretty busy, so I have not been able to uh, squeeze in some games. I do, I do have some games uh, up for sale. I'm trying to clear the shelf and um, getting rid of a couple things, so I'll put those up and um, have a couple of interested people. So other than that, um, how about yourself? Yeah, unfortunately, between our last recording and this one, I haven't had a lot of time um, to do much gaming. I did play um, in our Lord of the Rings living card game um, uh, scenarios, and finally beat the last race one we we're trying to do, so that was pretty fun. We're racing across the desert. But other than that, it's been mostly <laughs> editing podcasts and getting content ready and all that, all that fun stuff. So, And obviously, work and life get in the way of gaming. How dare they? So, <laughs> well, the Lord of the Rings thing sounds uh, pretty fun. Yeah, it's been it's been a, a fun adventure. So I've been play I try to play that at least every week or so with a a guy I met online through a, a community, um, Google Plus community actually. Um, and ever since then, we've been playing for like a couple of years now, um, trying to play every single Lord of the Rings quest and playing until we win before we advance on. So. Yeah, we've been playing for a couple of years now, and it's um still going. <laughs> still trying wow. to catch up. <laughs> Sounds like this guy's your Frodo, huh? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, can you just re- uh, real quick talk about what you guys played here, the last scenario? or? Yeah, I can talk about it, our listeners. So it's uh, called Race Across the Harad. And uh, so the setup uh, is we happened to rescue some survivors in this camp that was raided. Um, and we had some Mumukil, so if you're not familiar with that, like essentially the Lord of the Rings elephants with us. And we have the survivors, and we're trying to take them to safety, so we're heading across the desert. And But unfortunately, the raiders, these orcs, um, are on our tail, so they're trying to chase us down. And so the cool thing about this setup is, as you're trying to advance through the quest deck in that game, um, the enemies are also advancing through their own quest deck. And as you're trying to progress sometimes they might catch up to you and then at when they're at the same stage essentially stage number then your stages combine and then you can interact with each other but if you're at different stages you can't do anything to each other because you're you know some distance apart so it makes it pretty interesting that you can approach a couple different ways maybe you just want to race through as fast as possible um but that means you're not interacting with the bad guys at all and so they're just building up this massive force at the end they might just come bearing down at you or maybe you you just try to stay a couple steps ahead of them and, and you know and throw some spears behind you or whatever to like just take care of the bad guys while you're trying to make it to the end. So pretty cool scenario. I liked it. Pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, but definitely that. one where you can't take your time. You really have to push hard right out of the gates. That sounds epic. With this week being Thanksgiving week in the States, we are preparing our end of the year podcast. So we've on our Slack channel created another channel, uh, to discuss your top co-op of the year. And Peter's already sent out a, a tweet too about this. So we're looking for our listener feedback. 
to jump on there and talk about your overall uh, new to you co-op game for the year. And we're going to try to compile a list of these and uh, kind of report them out to uh, to our listeners. So looking forward to that. And we even have um, the option of if you want to drop in a, a audio blurb of, of you talking about it. So uh, but yeah, check it out on Slack and Twitter. And uh, we'll look forward to hearing from you guys. And with that said, let's jump into some news. And the first game we'll talk about in the news is Project Elite. So originally this game came out in 2016 from Artipia Games. And that license was transferred over to Simon, who had a uh, Kickstarter out there. And I didn't mention this in the previous episode, so unfortunately the the pledge, or sorry, the Kickstarter ended. It funded, but you can late pledge it. So I thought I'll mention it here anyway. So if you're not familiar with Project Elite, it is a real-time cooperative game where you are essentially um, uh, space marines or something like that, um, and you are running around a a various map and there are aliens that will move along that map and try to infiltrate your base and so you're trying to do um, a number of different objectives and you can choose the different type of objective you want to do for the maps so the interesting thing about this it's all it's all real time so you're rolling dice as fast as you can and anytime you roll an alien symbol on the dice you have to choose um, an alien and move them along a predetermined path essentially and you can choose whatever alien you want, but you have to move, make the alien move before you do anything else with the dice. And so it makes it real interesting because you might be uh, trying to shoot an alien, so trying to roll some dice to uh, get the result you need to activate the weapon to take out this alien. And your buddy rolled an alien symbol, and he mo- just moved the alien right out of your way. Like, no! I had him in my sights! <laughs> and you have to chase him down or do something else. And because it's all, uh, this, at least this part is real time, it's all very frantic and chaos, and it's, it's pretty fun, actually. And then after that, you've got a, a, a period where you can plan things out and activate aliens. Uh, they have special abilities that might happen, and sometimes bosses come out, stuff like that. So there's a, there's a, a give and take of between real-time craziness versus a plan motion. But yeah, Project Lead, pretty fun co-op game. Um, I know Colin from One Stop Co-op Shop likes this game quite a bit, so I'm sure he'll be talking about this more in the future. So like I said, the game already funded. It funded November 12th, and you can still late, late back it right now. So if you uh, missed out on it, like we didn't mention the news. <laughs> Sorry about that. You can still get, get it if you want. Okay, and the next game I want to mention is Hero Realms Journeys. So if you're not familiar with this game, um, Hero Realms was the fantasy uh, reimagining of the popular Star Realms game. And in that game, they actually set up a cooperative mode where you can actually play as a character and level up as you deck build. So it's Pretty cool little campaign games. So uh, they're coming back to Kickstarter. And like I said, it's live now. And for $30, you can get a new campaign for it. So looks pretty cool. Um, I know Colin has this. And I think he is planning to do some coverage on his channel in the future. So look, look forward to that. Looks like the game is currently funded and it will end December 6th. Okay, and the last game I want to talk about is one we kind of did a preview for um, earlier this year, and that is Assassin's Creed Brotherhood of Venice. So this is by Triton Noir. Uh, it's currently on Kickstarter right now, and it is funded. So if you're not familiar with Assassin's Creed, it was a very popular, actually I should say it is a very popular um, video game intellectual property that spans a number of different uh, historical periods of time. And hence the name, you are playing as Assassin, uh, going against the Templars. And so the game is known for some um, pretty fun stealth stealth mechanics. And so this game is a fully cooperative campaign game 
where you're playing as assassins and you're trying to complete some story, which is honestly not revealed yet. That's the cool thing about the game. There's a number of envelopes in the game, and in the each of these envelopes, it'll have um, the scenarios that you progress through and more items, equipment, special surprises in those envelopes as you progress. Now, this is not a legacy game. You will not actually destroy any components. So at the end, you can actually put everything back back in the envelopes if you want. But it's at least for your first playthrough, it will be a surprise as you unlock things. Uh, it looks like the game is somewhat based upon the V Commandos engine, which I'm a huge fan of. I think it's a pretty, pretty slick engine, uh, but with some nice modifications and improvements for sure. So lots of minis in here. Uh, in fact, they even have uh, a tank mini. That's Leonardo's tank. So, and of course you have your iconic scenes where you can climb up top of tower and sink and find some stuff and dive into a hay bale because this wouldn't be Assassin's Creed game without that. So, <laughs> Yeah, and Steve, this one looks really cool. Um, Tebow, the designer, I really liked what he did with V Commandos. A lot of the stealth and sort of the decisions that are made in that game. And since he uh, is designing the Assassin's Creed, I think we can expect to uh, have a really great game here. Yeah, I'm, I've been really looking forward to this one for sure. So it is coming out later. They're expected to get it out in 2020. Um, so it's a long wait between now and then, unfortunately. But I'm, if it's anything like V Commandos, I'm definitely looking forward to this one. Yeah, Assassin's Creed is currently funded, and it will end December 6th. So go check it out on Kickstarter if you're interested in this game. And with that said, let's move into our discussion topic, Review of Tiny Epic Zombies. If you're not familiar with the Tiny Epic series, there are a series of games that are all set in the same size box, and it's a very small box that you can actually fit into a large pocket if you ha- if you have it. Um, like a, I'm talking about like a cargo short pocket, basically. Um, I'm a big fan of these series. I will I have all of them right now. Um, I plan to continue buying them. I travel for work, so it's a nice thing to be able to grab one of these or a couple of these on on my way out the door for a work trip, and I have something for if if I want to unwind to a game late at night in the hotel or something like that. So, uh, this one we're talking about is zombie-themed, which is set in a mall setting, which is kind of a different setting for this game. And they are, one interesting thing about the Tiny Epic series is lately they've been using what they call uh, uh, item meeples. And so you have your normal meeple-shaped figures, but they've actually drilled holes into the arms and legs. In this case, it's only arms. And they have these plastic miniature items which you actually stick with pegs into the the hands of the uh, meeple so as you actually unlock or gain items your meeple can physically carry these little mini items too it's kind of kind of funny so like it but this game like i said is set in the mall you can play in different many different modes you can play one versus many and that one person would be the zombie player and he controls all the zombies on the board and the many would be as the humans you play full co-op which is what we'll talk about in this uh, episode um, you can play competitive versus one person. So what that means is you still play one zombie player and a bunch of human players, but all the humans players are not only playing against a zombie, they're playing against all the other human players at the same time. Um, and you can play competitive, so it's all the humans playing against a AI zombie, essentially, and playing uh, for one winner amongst the humans. And you can play solo as well. Solo is just one person playing in the co-op mode, basically. So, but... So how does this work? You will set out your mall tiles, and there's a number of tiles for that, um, um, essentially nine tiles. And you'll be, this will be random, the double-sided, which is kind of cool, add some variability to that. You'll start in the middle, which is the courtyard. 
and that court courtyard is barricaded. So you have a barricade marker. And one way you can lose is if that barricade drops to zero, uh, you might have to lose a generic survivor token. And you have none of those left, um, the humans lose the game. And just to be clear, I'm, I'm describing the co-op mode from here on out. Um, a lot of the other modes do have the similar mechanics, but um, we'll be talking about co-ops for sure. You have to defend the courtyard, but you also have to venture out into the mall to find um, various items to equip yourselves to take out zombies, and you can find one melee weapon and one ranged weapon out there. But that's generally not the goal of the game. The goal of the game is to find or to complete three scenarios. And those scenarios are random, or you can pick them if you want, and they can vary quite a bit. They could be something like, hey, um, bring the uh, helicopter parts from out there to the middle of the courtyard so you can fix the helicopter, for example, and maybe escape. Or you can go in and fully equip your your stock inside the courtyard. So you have to go out there and grab a bunch of ammo and a bunch of weapons so you can hold out the night. Or maybe you need to go find the cure, so go out there and, and gather some samples and figure out what the cure is. I'll go rescue survivors who may be trapped. So it varies quite a bit what they what they may be. And there's special tokens included in the game to represent all these scenarios. You win the game if you complete all three scenarios as humans. You lose the game if you run out of survivors, if all, everyone's eliminated basically, or if you run out of the search deck, which basically acts, acts as a timer in the game. But generally on your turn, you will be moving three times and you have to move three times in this game, which is kind of different. So every time after you move, then you can do something in that spot. So you can move and then you have options to either meleeing a zombie in your spot, which involves a die roll. Um, you always will kill that zombie, but the results of that might change. So you might just kill him without taking a wound. You might take some wounds as you take him out, or you might do what's called overkill and then get a, another free move to, to try to melee another one. And you can actually, if you're lucky, chain these together and go on a zombie killing spree <laughs> through the mall so which uh, feels really fun it is really fun when it happens it just feels pretty <laughs> epic so <laughs> the other thing you can do is you can shoot so everyone has uh ammo and there's a little counter on your on your play human card and as you spend that it'll move towards to the left and your wounds is also on the same track as you take wounds you move it to the right interesting about this is if your wound marker and your ammo marker ever meet or cross each other, you are what's you're eliminated from the game, and then you'll come back as a different human player. And there's some of the negative effects that take place. So uh, it's kind of a very interesting mechanic and in how you balance that. Like, well, I'm not taking a lot of wounds because I'm playing it safe, but then I'm kind of taking wounds in a sense because I'm shooting my my ammo. Yeah, very interesting. And the other thing you can do is if the store, which is the entire, uh, entire mall tile, is empty of zombies, you can do various um, objectives and actions on that mall tile, which is kind of the main way to go. It could be stuff like um, maybe healing. Maybe you can hop in a police car, drive around. Maybe you can pick up some ammo. Uh, maybe it's one of the objectives we talked about in the past where um, you're trying to fix the radio or, or rescue survivors or, or whatnot. So there's a lot of different options in that game. So, Steve, one thing I was going to mention um, to our listeners is one thing I like about Gameland Games and, and the Tiny Epic series is it seems like every game, they're always doing something different. And so when we look at, say, Tiny Epic Quest, it's almost a, a Euro game. Um, and then Tiny Epic Zombies was um, a lot of fun because 
one of the selling points, at least on the Kickstarter or kind of the sell was many different types of game in one. So I think this is probably their first that they've done that. Uh, I think you would know as a collector of the series. So I'll defer that to you. Um, but definitely they have co-op in the box, uh, one versus many, uh, a competitive uh, versus and a solo. And when we look back at um, the other Tiny Epic series, I feel like most of them are um, aligned to one sort of play style. So Tiny Epic Galaxies, Tiny Epic Western, um, and so that was one thing that I think is really interesting for our listeners to know is um, this is, I think, the first one that they've done that and uh, definitely a different kind of take on the series. And hopefully, I don't know if this is a new trend for them or if this was just sort of a one-off, but uh, kind of something interesting to note. I will say that every one of their titles is soloable, So you can play solo for all of them. Yeah, all the way to time. Epic Kingdoms was the first one. And that's one reason why I always bring these with me on my work trips because... I don't always, I mean, if I'm late at night in the hotel room, it's kind of nice to be able to crack open a game. So, But yeah, hopefully that gives you a kind of a broad description of what the game's like and how it plays. And I think we'll jump into our review of it. So I'll start off with my number three con. So this is kind of a, I don't know, just an experienced con. But in the game, you can have either a police car or a motorcycle in the game where you can drive around. And these are large wooden pieces with a nice screen printing on them they're actually you know they're kind of nice but my issue is they're very large they are large enough where you can put your meeple in there with uh the meeple still holding on to its equipment or its items which i think makes sense but my issue is it's really unnecessary the police car and the motorcycle when you use these vehicles it's really a one a momentarily usage. You'll drive it around at the end of this action. Essentially, the you'll either be kicked out of the vehicle or the vehicle move back to a starting spot. So there's really not a need for your meeple to be in there for any period of time, as you you know I mean it takes only moments to resolve this action. And they're large enough where if I'm trying to put them on the board in these small cards, they really take up a huge amount of that card, and it just kind of distract detracts from the the experience of the game so um yeah my number three con is just i wish they would make those vehicles smaller it would be be a lot easier and then if they do come out with expansions it'll be easier to fit everything in the same box but it's not a huge deal because even with sleeve cards i was able to put all the components back in the, my, my box without any issues so yep number three vehicles are too big Steve, you are definitely um, looking at my show notes here because that's exactly my number three. That Either that or great minds think alike. I, I don't know. You tell me. Uh, <laughs> so my number three con is the car and the motorcycle are just um, exactly like you said. They just don't seem to quite fit. So I, uh, for our listeners out there, um, Steve summed it up well. They're made of wood. I get the idea was to allow your item meeple to ride in the car, the motorcycle, but to Steve's point, you literally hop in it and, um, you know, travel around to another card. I mean, it's, it's in my play experience, I don't even take them out of the box. Um, 
I literally just say I'm using the motorcycle and kind of keep it off at the edge of the board. So I shouldn't say I don't take it out of the box, but um, it is just very huge on the card. So some of our listeners out there might remember micro machines. Some of you will not know what those are. I would have loved to seen uh, something like a little micro machine, um, not just uh, as more of a marker. Um, so we have different objective markers uh, throughout the game that we place, for example, to represent the helicopter parts or, you know, the, the, the cure for the virus. And I would have liked to seen a little micro machine sized uh, motorcycle or car just to represent where that item is. And you would just kind of take and move it along. So um, that is my number three con sort of piling on here. I know I'm technically cheating, but um, I also uh, prefer the card stock in Tiny Epic Quest better. So the cards are, um, they're great but they're a little glossy. And I noticed that when they sit out on the table, they just tend to move around more on the table surface and tiny up at quest. They just seem to have more of a linen matte finish. And, um, so that's kind of a two con in one, but, uh, there you have it, Steve. So, uh, I'm going to agree with you on that. And I'm going to go ahead and, um, actually hop into my number three pro here. So, um, my number three pro for this game is the great variation in objectives and characters. Um, so, the objectives really do feel distinct um, in kind of the way that they're approached and the design and the tokens that are used and sort of what you have to achieve. And the characters as well, um, you have everything from the janitor to the teen pop star. And I just feel that each one of those, there's a lot of variation here. And so when you're playing with your three objectives, uh, in the co-op game, uh, well, actually in all the games, and then um, the characters, there's just a lot of variability there. And so um, it's kind of cool, um, you know, when we play, it'll be, oh, cool, who am I going to be this time? And, um, you know, they will get kind of samey if you play this game a lot, but uh, I think for the tiny box that it is, there's great variability in the objectives and the characters. So with that, Steve, I'll pass it back to you. Man, we're stealing each other's list apparently because <laughs> my number three pro is variety of the human and zombies. So <laughs> wow, how about that? So yeah, I'll um, add to what you what you discussed. So I did back the deluxe version of it, so they might have a few extra cards if you bought just the base game normally. Um, and so the count is up to eighteen. There's eighteen humans, and on the back side there's the zombie form, and they all have uh, a special ability. Uh, humans has a special ability, and the zombies have one as well. And generally, these abilities actually relate in a in an opposite manner, which is kind of interesting. And they do vary between the characters, and not in all cases, but in most cases, I'd say they're somewhat thematic, too. It's kind of nice. Uh, so it's a lot of fun just grabbing those different humans and, and even the zombies and playing against them. It does add quite a bit to the game. Um, in fact, the zombies, I would even add, uh, impact the game quite a bit because... It has a, essentially, if you play co-op, a global effect that will affect all the zombies that appear on the board. And if any human player is eliminated, uh, you will take the human card, flip it over to zombie form, and add that to the uh, zombie player's um, ability. So they kind of level up our, those abilities stack and becomes harder and harder as the game goes on. So, yeah, a lot of fun. Uh, so definitely number three pro, the variety of humans and zombies. So my number two con is kind of related to variety and this was the items in the game so my number two con kind of relates to my number three pro and that is not enough items in the game so i have the deluxe version of that like i said before and i have counted 25 weapons and backpack items in that deck and you don't play with all of them in that deck i think you only play with uh, 12 at a time it so there's some variability in there but 
I play the game en enough where I feel like I st see the same items and weapons a little too frequently. I wish there was a little more variability in there. I understand part of the issue is those items you do grab, you have a, a tiny mini that goes with them. And so those minis get, fit into your, uh, your item meeple so they can carry them around. Uh, so that's definitely a limitation because of, you know, production costs. But I still think they could have added more um, backpack items to help counteract that a little bit and have a little more variety in that deck. Because, like I said, there's a lot of variety in the humans and zombies, which I like a lot. But to counteract to that is just the items that they, you see you see quite a few of those cards in a given game. So you won't see, I mean, after two games, you might see all the cards, essentially. As opposed to the, the zombies and humans, you might play uh, three or more uh, before you start seeing all the the humans and zombies in that in that mode, that's a that's a good one, Steve. I um I guess I would agree with you on that one, and uh, I'm gonna go ahead and hop into my number two con. Um, so my number two con is well, kind of build as a sellable feature. I think that some of the modes feel tacked on. Um, I think really it's in the end this is really one game. And um, what they've done is just slightly tweaked it. And, and some of it works. It's all very playable. But you do run into kind of having some weird scenarios or, or weird um, outcomes where, for example, when you're solo, it's really just co-op. And I get that. Most solo games are co-op. But um, some of the competitive, the way that the rules and the mechanics work, um, it just feels a little bit tacked on. And, um, you know, I'm sure there's fans out there, listeners who are playing these modes. Um Certainly BGG is full of them, um, but to me, it's definitely a con. I would have rather seen, uh, I think the game just focus strongly on co-op. Um, I do like that they've included it, but it just feels a little tacked on. And I won't go into the mechanics and things like that, but, um, you know, suffice to say that it, it works, it's playable, um, but it does feel a little bit like uh, a stretch goal, maybe, you know, so it was kind of like, hey, we can add this and this, and how can I tweak this one card, and instead now you'll play the zombie player and then flip the card, and I mean, it works technically, but um, uh, that's my number two con. Yeah, that's a great one, and I would add to that that the zombie player, if you do play as a zombie character, I feel like there's not as many decisions to be made in that that I would like, because... It was designed so that the zombie player could be played as, quote-unquote, an AI, right? Artificial intelligence, where no one's running it. And they also made it so you can run it with some an actual player running it. And to make those um, interchangeable, there's not a whole lot of decisions that are not automated, or not enough decisions that aren't automated when you become a zombie player, in my opinion. So, yeah, I completely agree with you. A lot of different modes of play, but I do think the co-op is definitely where it's at. I might be a little biased, though. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> okay, my number two pro is the mechanic that you have to move in this game. So, like I said before in the description, on your turn, you you have to move three times. And after each time you move, you can do a number of different actions. And the fact that you have to move before doing anything really adds to the, the strategy and tactical elements in this game. Where... If I'm in a store, I know that I, I want to be in this one room in the store to achieve an objective or gain an item or whatever I need to do, right? But I can't just run in there and do it. I have to plan my actions out so that I clear out the entire room or the store full of zombies, and I have to end my movement in that specific room to trigger that ability. Or I have to trigger these abilities in a specific order 
to achieve the maximum benefit for what I'm trying to do. And granted, this decision isn't necessarily the most taxing, um, but the fact that you have uh, this nice layer of death where you have to plan this out in in a you know a zombie killing game in such a small box, I was I was pretty impressed by that. It was a really nice mechanic to add. So that's my number two of the uh, the the mechanic that you have to move before doing anything. It is interesting. Um, it definitely makes you plan out your uh, turn. So I would agree with that. It is a, kind of actually a different mechanic that you don't typically see in a lot of games. Usually moving is part of an action you'll need to spend. Um, so for my number two, um, it's there is good tension uh, and decisions to be made. So I feel like as this game unfolds, there's a wide variety of decisions that the player will be forced to make and kind of choose between, you know, do you go into this store? Do you go over here and, and search the, the the store for, you know, to pick up that card? Um, do you try to go for that rolling kill and, and get the, you know, take out the zombies in some sort of bloodbath melee stomp through them all? Um, you know, and, and, and it's really like, well, I might go here for this objective and typically you're going to be working on a goal, right? So I'll go over here, you go over there. Um, and it can change like, wait, something just dropped and I can use my character ability to loot that store for free or, you know, whatever it is. And so I feel like in this box, how tiny it is and, and really the cards that are there, there's a lot of, uh, great decisions and choices that the players presented with and the game really unfolds in kind of a very unique way. So I, I really like that, uh, the tension and sort of the decisions, um, you know, if you neglect a store for too long, it will become overrun with zombies that will impact the barricade, right? And now you lose survivors and, and, and you're over here in this other store working on, I'm going to right loot this or do that. And, and, and it really can, um, present the player with a lot of decisions. So that's my number two pro Steve. So now for my number one con, Steve, and um, this is really objective. Uh, this is my opinion, so we're just going to roll with it. But the game is swingy. So for me personally, um, if you deal the objectives randomly um, and you pick the zombie players, or the players, um, the game can be kind of swingy. So um, you and I were actually talking a little bit about this, and so I'm actually put it down as my number one con. Um, some of the, if, if you deal those objectives um, and scenarios, it can, you can have a game from like, wow, this isn't so bad to unwinnable. And depending on the scenarios, depending on the objectives, depending on the characters, and depending on the players at the table, um, I will say that I've had one person who was all about wanting the weapons. <laughs> it made for a quite interesting game. Uh, we lost. Um, so when you go drooling for the little uh, weapon to plug into your item meeple um, over the objectives, you will lose. Just let me throw that out there. So, um, But it can feel kind of swingy. It's it's hard to come up with cons. I, I like the game a lot. Um, there's a lot of game in the little box. And so for me, um, the, some of the zombie players as well, um, you know, if the player character dies and they flip it over, some of the powers can really be game breaking with some of the objectives. And so there's a little bit of the combinations that can happen that can really present a very difficult game. And then, like I said, other times, um, you know, if the, if you're able to make it to the room and you've, and you don't have a zombie player and, and turning, um, it just can be really easy. And it just, I guess I'd like to see a little bit more consistency there. It is probably the nature of the game, but this for me, that's my number one con actually. So I'm going to kind of agree with you and disagree at the same time. So my number one con is difficulty level is what I'm calling it, which I think is the same thing you're describing here as well, where based upon the objectives you random or you pick, 
it will drastically affect how challenging the game will play out. Like some of them require, in my opinion, a lot more steps and a lot more time to result, to complete them versus some other ones which are which more uh, easier and quicker to, to get done. Or you can be even lucky to get them done. For example, like finding the survivors. If you happen to find the human survivor and not run to the zombie every time, it'll be really quick to do that one. Um, so yeah, it's definitely swinging there and it's definitely swinging with the zombie abilities where some of them, like you said, will hurt a specific uh, scenario more or maybe affect the game more, um, that they're just more challenging to deal with. But I will disagree a little bit that I didn't really f ever feel like the combination of those were unwinnable. Um, but definitely the difficulty or the challenge level was noticeably increased for sure. So yeah, that's definitely my uh, my number one con. And I feel like it would help a lot if they had some type of chart or or even a, a, something in the rule book which would group these being like, hey, okay, this objective is like a, a level two object, uh, objective for difficulty and this zombie is a, a level three difficulty. And so you can like add these all together and figure out like what difficult level you really want to play with. Because for example, if you were to play with someone who <laughs> is going after all the weapons and I... I'm guessing I might know who that is, <laughs> knowing, knowing your family. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, you might want to set that to easy level. And, and at this point in the game, you have really no way of knowing which is the harder ones, which is the easier ones without playing the game a few times. So yeah, agree and agree on some point and disagree on some point. But yeah, difficult level is definitely uh, an issue. Yeah, and it, it, actually, I should take that back. So don't quote me, uh, although we do have it in audio on the podcast. Not swingy, but you're right, difficulty level. And we did talk about this as well, that some of the objectives, you know, it, it might be rated as easy, medium, and hard or something like that in some of the combinations. And I, I shouldn't say, I shouldn't have said maybe unwinnable, but just very challenging. So this the game can be, it can feel at times unwinnable. Um, I think it takes a lot more strategy, a lot more careful planning, and a lot of that depends on the players at the table. So if it's solo, right, the world's your oyster, you control the whole thing. Um, as soon as you have um, anyone else sitting down with you and you're playing co-op, it really depends on really optimizing the way that your your uh, player character works and, and you know kind of working together as a team, which is great. That's perfect co-op. So um, but yeah, certainly not unwinnable, but the, definitely the difficulty level, I would agree, is probably the uh, better word uh, to use there. So what's your number one pro, Elijah? So my number one pro, uh, and this was actually relatively easy, is the the game uh, itself. So really the price that you pay, the size of the box, and the gameplay that is in this box is extreme value. Like this is a no-brainer. Um, uh, I, I remember when I received it and I started playing it, that was the number one thing that struck right in my mind. So sure, the glossy cards, sure, we have this wonky motorcycle that I wish was a micro machine and things. But at the end of the day, you can't argue with the value here. I mean, it's just a great game. It's a lot of fun. Um, it feels amazing when you get those rolling kills and you're just smashing through stores, just rolling over zombies and, um, you know, working together as a team to complete the objective. And when you win, it feels satisfying. And so for me, the number one pro is just the... Uh, the value in the box, the game, the gameplay itself. Overall, it's hard to argue. Um, if this was, you know, much more expensive or a huge uh, dungeon crawl that you're setting up or something, it'd be a lot different. But I mean, this is quite easy. This is a great game, and the value is just—it's um, there. I, had, I have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, it's a great point. I will definitely agree with you on that. So, very easy to, to, to purchase, easy on the wallet, and there's a lot in there for sure. 
And that's going to tie into my number one a little bit. Mine's a little bit different, though. Um, uh, Objectives is my number one pro. And what I mean by that is they just breathe so much life into this game. I know we just talked about how they're kind of a con with the difficulty level, but the variability of those um, and a lot of the other Tiny Epic games, you kind of have the same goal in mind. With like Tiny Epic Kingdoms, you're trying to take um, race to a point point total. There's a couple ways you can get to it, but yeah, it's, it doesn't feel like a hugely different game each time. And Tiny Epic Quest... Um, you got a couple of different paths, but you're kind of just going for points there as well. Tiny Epic Defenders, you're trying to kill a big boss and defend the city. They all kind of have the same type of objectives, but this one, you've got a, quite a number of objective cards, and they all change the game dramatically, and they all have really clever um, spots printed on the board, which you don't really notice all the time, but when you're setting the objective, it's very clear. They're like, oh yeah, this token goes here, here, and here, and here. It's very easy to set it up and go. I can play this game back to back and change up the objectives and it feels, at least in my opinion, significantly different each time. Yeah, the mechanics are the same. Yeah, you're around getting gear and killing zombies. But how you do that and how you have to plan and coordinate and and balance your, your playstyle a little bit, it, it you definitely have to adjust that to win. So, And we could say that almost about any game, right, Steve? Um, so Pandemic, it's the same thing. Yeah, the viruses and you got to contain the spread. Uh, yeah, Eldritch, you got to solve the mysteries. And so I think that's a great point that you mentioned. It does change the flavor and the feel of the game based on those objectives. Um, you know, even up ramping up the difficulty if you were feeling for something a little bit more challenging, you can sort of cherry pick the objective and the players. That's great. So let's jump into our overall thoughts of the game. Go ahead and start, Elijah. So my overall thoughts of this game are uh, it's a keeper. Um, it's going to sit on my shelf and we're going to play it for sure. Um, I would not trade this away. I am happy with the purchase and uh, I just love it. So uh, aside from the motorcycle <laughs> and the car, which uh, are, you know, no big deal really at the end of the day um, and dealing with the objectives, what we've done is... Um, Instead of dealing them randomly, we'll just basically decide um, kind of what sort of scenario we want to play and we'll pick those. Um, but just for me, I really like the game a lot. So again, um, the players, the characters all feel unique. The objectives feel fun. Um, you know, it's a, it's a lot of game in a little box. It did not, you know, it's not very expensive. Uh, and the decisions you're presented with are, are there. So for me, uh, I really enjoy it. It's a great game. And how about you, Steve? I'm curious uh, for your final thoughts on this game. Yeah, so full disclosure, if I see the words Tiny Epic on a Kickstarter page, I'm just backing it. <laughs> so <laughs> so, so. How, how objective are you going to be here? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll definitely be honest on this one. So, um, and in fact, this one, when I saw that, I backed it, and I was kind of reading through it a little bit. But normally when I buy a game, I read through the rule book a couple of times before I even decide to purchase it or something. I, I do my research in these games. I, I consider myself a collector where I, I want to collect the whole series just because they're fun and I know they're always going to have um, a, f a few factors for which I, I'll get them played for sure. So this one definitely fell in that category for me. And I got it and I sat down to play it and I was actually really surprised. Um, I wasn't sure what to think because I know the zombie theme has been so overdone and I know they came out with this kind of towards when there's not too many zombie games coming out. I mean, they still are coming out, but it's, it's not the whole flood of zombie games on the uh, the board game community market or whatever. So, um, yeah, very surprised with this one. I was happy to hear about the co-op mode and stuff like that. Like, cool, that's great. It's not just solo. I can play co-op. And this was a, a, a big hit for me. And I am I can I say right now that this is my number one uh, Tiny Epic game in that series for sure. 
So the other games are great, and I like them all. Tiny Epic Galaxies, all of them. Um, some of them more than others, for sure. I'd probably say uh, Tiny Epic Kingdom was probably my the bomb the barrel for me. Um, but this game is one game that my wife even will ask to play. She doesn't ask to play Tiny Epic games ever, really, um, unless we're traveling on a trip and that's the only choices we have. But this one, she actually, actually asked me to sit down and play it. So that's, that says something. And the objectives, like I said, they change things up. And with the timer of the uh, the, the uh, search deck, you really do have to split up and coordinate and work together to say, okay, we only have so much time to get this done. I'm going to go here. I'm going to go take care of and grab the helicopter part we need. Can you go over there and start, and, and start writing for help? Or we need to go find which of these exits is the correct exit to skip the mall. And you can't do it by yourself. There's no way you can do it with the time limit. You really have to work together. So, yep, big fan of this game. I can't recommend it enough. The value is there in the box. Um, if you were looking for something small and portable, but have a pretty epic experience, yep, I can definitely recommend this one. And that's going to wrap up our episode for a review of Tiny Epic Zombies. So if you have any news or upcoming games you'd like us to discuss, feel free to reach out to us and email or Twitter. And please join our Slack if you want to join in our discussions on these games and any future topics coming down the road. And join us next week with Mike and Peter as we cover another co-op game. Thanks, and we'll see you at the next stop. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Co-op Cast, your one-stop for cooperative game news and reviews. If you enjoyed this week's episode, please review us on iTunes. And while you're there, check out Mindless Fate. They provide our bumper music. Also, check out Colin on his YouTube channel, One Stop Co-op Shop, and follow us on Facebook at One Stop Co-op Cast. Finally, join our Slack group by emailing us at MVP Board Games for continued discussion on these topics throughout the week. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week. Not to mention you have many games to play from now till then. <laughs> what are you trying to say? <laughs> There's one game to rule them all, and it's coming out. It involves submarines or a sub. I'm kidding. Oh, man. Cool, Steve. I love it. I think you summed it up in a nutshell. And that was unnecessary to say. Ha, 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 ha.